This is People Every Day. Coming up, breaking down all the highs and lows of Super Bowl 2021. Plus, I sit down with former NFL star and activist Emmanuel Acho to discuss his wildly successful book and series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. It's February 8th. Hello, hello. Welcome back to People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Monday. I don't know about you, but I'm still in the football spirit a little bit, you know, coming off of what was a pretty eventful Super Bowl Sunday, but I guess that's debatable. Talk about that later. Uh, Later in the show, I sit down with former footballer, sports analyst, and activist Emmanuel Acho, who opens up about his surprising second act, tackling race relations in America, one uncomfortable conversation at a time. But before that, I'm here with People, the TV show's Kay Adams, self-proclaimed football buff, and our style and beauty director, Andrew Laventhal, to break down all the news and entertainment of yesterday's big game. Hello, ladies. Hello. Um, I'm sorry, Janine. I am also a self-proclaimed football, excuse me, commercial buff. Football commercial buff. <laughs> mm-hmm. With a minor in halftime show entertainment. <laughs> Perfect. You go. You guys have all that I need for this then. Uh, okay, so convention would have it that we dig into the details of the game, you know, 31-9, Buccaneers, Brady, all that. And we'll get there. But it's Monday, and I want to talk halftime show first, okay? <laughs> the weekend. Okay, what did you think? First off, like, as soon as it ended, what were your thoughts? I feel like I have a, an interesting vantage point on this because I did such a deep dive on Abel and he does not do interviews and I got to sit down with him. I sat down with him on Thursday for the NFL. He, I don't think he loves talking. I think he likes his art and sort of living in that space. He's very thoughtful, but he was very understanding of what that stage means. Mm. And working for the NFL, I'm understanding of that. There's, there's a sort of... Um, reverence that you have to have for it that was very much on display. He was very thoughtful about what the year had been for so many people for live music in general. For sure. And he really wanted to put on a, a masterful visual performance. And I think that's what we got. Andrea, what did you think of the performance and just uh, that, that visual aspect really came through, but it was, it's a different take on the Super Bowl performance than we've seen in years past. Okay. So no disrespect to Kay's new best friend, um, Abel, but Mr. I Tespe. had, yeah, I had, I had lower expectations, nothing to do mm-hmm. with him as a performer or, um, it was because honestly, his name is not Beyonce, Lady yeah. Gaga, yeah. JLo or Shakira. So these ladies have set the bar so incredibly high for what a halftime performance looks like sounds like and frankly feels like in my heart that I was like, how could he possibly deliver something that measures up to what these ladies do? And the truth is he impressed me and um, he's a great entertainer. I needed I needed more in a 2021 we're all sad moment. I was hoping for like a we are the world moment. Yeah. I mean, so he did, he tried to give us a little MJ, right? He'd like, there were, there were notes there. It wasn't a shiny glove, but there were gloves. There was the red jacket. He's fantastic. He put on a fantastic concert performance, reminded us, like Kay said, the magic of a live show and the energy. But because this 
past year has been so awful. I needed to feel more. I needed We Are the World. I needed Dolly, Stevie Wonder, Beyonce, Tina Turner. I needed them all to come out and 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 swarm the stage. Well, that's a big thing. Like he was one of the first in years who didn't have, you know, someone come out. He just, he, he wanted to do him and he did him. I loved his Givenchy jacket from a fashion standpoint. <laughs> 250 hours went into making that jacket. And I hope he has some place he can wear it to again. Because, you know, that's not a one and done piece weekend. I want <laughs> I want you to get to wear that grocery shopping, getting your essentials, whatever. You know, wear that jacket. I mean, well, there were hundreds of, like, how many guys were there? And we were talking about this. This was a very male Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't remember seeing one one. Female Do we dancer. know? Could we tell? Who knows what was I, under there? Exactly. So anything, the face mask, the, the face masks uh, that were, you know, memed out to be jock straps or like what? <laughs> I could have been under there for all you know. When you think about this, do you think it's going to go down in the annals of, of Super Bowl performances? Like, what do you think? Yes or no? Hmm. I mean, in terms of memorable, probably not the most memorable, but very much in terms of technical and like a solid performance, absolutely. When I think of it from a technical or from a production standpoint, I think if I'm going to cut up a best of of Super Bowl halftime shows, that last shot of him with the pyro and the fireworks and he's on the field, that's not not, that's making the cut. So can you tell the story of Super Bowl without the Super Bowl halftime show in the middle of a global pandemic with no. So yes, he, he, He's definitely in the mix. All right. There you go. There you have it. When we look at the game itself, um, some people really, really loved it because they love Tom Brady and this is such a historical moment. But other people were like, oh, I wanted this fight. I wanted this, the goat versus the kid battle to the death, you know, <laughs> almost almost overtime Super Bowl. Uh, Kay, Break down just the highlights of the actual game and just the surprises. Because for me, I I have a Mahomes fan in my house and he was just disheveled. <laughs> I bet because I'm sure that Mahomes fan is not used to seeing him struggle and not be able to create magic. I mean, he was running behind a line of scrimmage for something like 450 yards. It was unbelievable. Um, they have showed us for two years they can win from behind, that they can make it happen, that they can uh, defy odds. And that luck sort of runs out in certain situations. And I, I knew it was going to catch them at some point this season. You know, were we too quick to say that this is a dynasty? Were we too quick to say that they're going to be in the Super Bowl every year? Probably, but also he was banged up and not 100%. And he was like, down, you know, the most important toe in sports right now is Patrick Mahomes and it's not 100%. And you might have to have surgery, which is what we're talking about this morning. So that, the offensive line, the biggest surprise though was that they didn't score a touchdown because I, even though I thought yeah. the Bucs would win, all that Gronk would have a huge game and he did. I did not in any stretch of the imagination think that they had failed to score a touchdown. I'm sitting there like, can I go to bed now in the fourth quarter? So that I did not. Yeah, it really slowed. You You kind of knew what Nine was going to happen. Nine points. Like no one expected that. But uh, something else I didn't expect, like in, in all of the Brady love, like as we said, he's, he's 43. Like this is his 10th time in the Super Bowl. Like uh, he, he's done it with a second team now. Seven. He has more championships than any any team, <laughs> like any franchise. That's what I think makes him the goatiest of all the goats yeah. around. The goatiest of all the goats. Well, you can look at, you know, there's different eras, right? But I'd say generationally in this last 40 years, and that matters because of salary caps, that matters in games played. And you can't take anything away from him being the greatest 
of all time. He instills confidence in every, he was up texting the night before the Super Bowl, texting all, every individual player, we're going to win. And specifically to players, like it's running back Leonard Fournette, you're, <laughs> you're going to make this play. They're, they're run defense sucks and you're going to exploit it. And then he went and did that. So him instilling confidence in this team instills fearlessness. And they all were fearless for four quarters and that's why they won. For sure. Lastly, I just need to shift into something that is very football related, but just blew my mind. Um, Aaron Rodgers is engaged. Yes. (laughs) When and where and how did this happen? Okay, so he he says this during his MVP speech. He's like, it's 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 an honor, you know. He he, he's getting this award. He's like, I got engaged this season. I played some football. We're like, what? (laughs) And so and so we know a couple of weeks ago that it was unearthed that he and Shalane Woodley, actress Shalane Woodley, um, have you know been going steady, but. This steady? Yes. I mean, I've heard I've heard people say that she'd been spotted in Green Bay. Those were their couples of that, you know, little tidbits of that throughout the season. Uh, I talked to him a month ago, didn't mention it. I, you know, I don't know exactly when it happened. I don't think it happened like two days ago. That's my best guess. And uh, I can tell you just his, who, he, how he is with the media. He likes to toy with them a little bit. He likes to... Uh, sort of play this role. So I think it probably just made, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he decided just in the middle of the speech to be like, I'm just going to say this now. Andrew, does Shalene even know she's like, she's engaged? She's like, <laughs> just where's the ring, dude? Like we talked about it. I sent you an eco-friendly, sustainable design because that's who she is. And I've been, yes, looking at reclaimed cotton dresses. But as far as I know, Green Bay actively roots for him to not have a girlfriend because they think, you know, there was an Olivia Munn thing where when they were together, he wasn't performing well in the field. And there's a really big attachment and there's a huge interest. It's with Aaron Rodgers. The interest in who he's dating is unlike anything I've seen in the National Football League. Interesting. Well, this is this is still a mystery. I'm 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 waiting for, as you say, this this eco-friendly wedding. <laughs> it's everything, guys. There's somebody for there's something for everybody. But, but wait, wait. Okay, speaking of something for everybody, before I lose you, favorite commercial, oh. Rapid Fire. What was your favorite commercial? Anything with Bruce Springsteen brings my heart to a place it hasn't been in last year. I heard his voice and I was like, that should be the halftime show. Just Bruce talking about Jeeps, America, Kansas, whatever. (laughs) Okay, for me, Drake from State Farm. I just (laughs) (laughs) thought it was so hilarious. How about oh Michael B. Jordan, people sex? Yeah, I that people were like complaining that it was almost too sexy. I was like, please, <laughs> let us have Michael B. Jordan. Okay, guys? You need to be remind people of like Daisy Fuentes and Dorito commercials and the long history of the objectification of women. Cindy Crawford with her Pepsi. I was like, give us Michael B. Jordan in a bathtub right. reading seductive romance novels. And that was hysterical. Absolutely. So good. <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for getting into this. I kind of want to rewatch now with all of these perspectives. Oh, I'm just so <laughs> glad you finally tapped my sports expertise. I've been waiting yes. for somebody to recognize that Kay is yes. not the only one around here who knows her way around a football. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, former football player, analyst, and activist Emmanuel Acho gets candid about race and his uncomfortable conversations. Stay tuned. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Emmanuel Acho's trajectory is one you don't see all that often in sports. He's a former NFL player turned analyst, turned cultural commentator and author. Uh, His YouTube series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, launched last summer in the aftermath of George Floyd's killing and is boldly honest and unapologetic and one of the most talked about new destinations surrounding talking about the current Black experience in America. And on it, he's gotten everyone from Matthew McConaughey to Oprah opening up to him about their experiences. He's also got a wildly successful book of the same name uh, where he goes into all of this from his point of view. So here to get into it with me, the man himself, Emmanuel Acho, how are you doing? Benin, I am fantastic. And thank you for the kind, kind intro. (laughs) You're so welcome. Uh, You just really have taken off in a way that I feel like it almost feels like, yeah, why why weren't we doing this? Why weren't we having these conversations? Why didn't it feel like there was a space for this? So tell me about launching Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And if you had any apprehension or was it like, I got to do this? You know what? I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think anything great typically occurs after a little bit of apprehension. So it it, it truly happened after the murder of George Floyd, Janine. I said, I must do something. I realized, how can I best emote, right? I was yelling, I was crying, I was aimlessly walking around my house until I realized, wait a second, Acho, your voice is your sword. You're gifted at the ability to communicate. So communicate well. And I, I wanted to call it the first questions white people have didn't mean true story because I was like, well, white people have questions, questions white people have, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> but I realized, you know what, that title doesn't really have any stick and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I can't do it with a group of people. I was going to do it with one dear white friend of mine. She drove three hours from Dallas to Austin where my residence was based. We rehearsed all day Saturday for 24 hours in front of her mom, in front of her sister via Zoom. Then on Sunday, an hour before call time, Janine, she had a change of heart. She calls me downstairs crying with tears in her eyes. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not right. I'm like, um, we didn't rehearse a solo <laughs> act. It's uncomfortable conversations with a black man, not uncomfortable monologue with a black man. And so episode one, I'm sitting in a room by myself. But the way in which it all occurred, I end up doing a solo show and the rest is history. It worked out how it had to. So that's truly kind of how uncomfortable conversations all unfold. Wow. And now uh, 32,000 subscribers, like 2 million views. Does it feel like it's gotten bigger than what you expected it to be? Like, or what you planned for, what you hoped for? I mean, Janine, I consider myself, or at least I desperately long to be a wordsmith. I didn't know what I was (laughs) going to do. Like, (laughs) I didn't know that, that, 35 plus million people would see it by now. I had no idea McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey Academy Award winner would call me five days later. Oprah Winfrey would call me seven days later and want to partner with me on a book. Janine, I was just pouring out my heart. And by the grace of God, the world really received the message. You said Oprah reached out about 
the book. What was your immediate reaction when you started getting those calls? And I, I want to bring up the fact that you said that you got a really bad reaction initially when you were talking about doing a book. I guess like some of the publishers were thinking it wouldn't be successful or whatever it is. So how did you respond when to the haters, essentially? And then what did it feel like when you got, oh, to call you? Man, you just asked me a action-packed question. <laughs> um, okay, let me say this. The first thing I will say is, I internalize them as haters because that's the motivation I need to be great in my life. What God tells you or what somebody puts on your heart, he may not tell everyone else or it may not be put on everyone else's heart. So my my book agents who originally told me, Emmanuel, the market is too, too saturated for a book like this. We don't think it will do well. I perceive that as hate. Because that's the motivation I need to move forward. But I also understand the calling that was on my heart, they may not have gotten that same call. But just because they didn't get the call doesn't mean I didn't get it and I wasn't commissioned. Number two, when you hear from Oprah, it's about what you would imagine. (laughs) You know, like I get a call, hey, um, Oprah Winfrey wants to FaceTime you. Are you available later today? I'm like, Am I available? Is Oprah available? <laughs> um, and so we, we hop on FaceTime for 45 minutes and Janine, the most memorable thing she said, and this is now the very same thing I asked anybody before I do usually a television hit with them. She asked me, she said, Emmanuel, what is your intention? And I said, but my intention for these conversations to be a bridge for reconciliation and change the world. And I genuinely believe I can. You talked about being a bridge and, and, and having these communications and, and it definitely surrounds race, uh, but also a lot of other topics too and things that are in your wheelhouse. Of course, you were an NFL player for a, a, a time and, and you've shifted to a commentator on that, but in a different way as well. When you talk about just the difficult conversations surrounding football and surrounding the NFL. What was it like talking to Roger Goodell? And, and, and how do you feel really taking that on, having been in that world? Every conversation is difficult because I understand that oftentimes I'm both speaking as a representative of a group at large, or I'm speaking as a representative of the person I'm interviewing. I'm just simply a buffer trying to take the message of the person I'm communicating with and distribute it to the audience so that they can understand. So when I'm talking to Commissioner Roger Goodell, I understand people don't like him because they perceive that Colin Kaepernick is not in the league solely because of Roger Goodell, which hopefully at this point we understand is not true. And so I'm sitting here as a buffer trying to say, okay, Commissioner Goodell, what have you done wrong and what have you learned? Okay, if you were to apologize to Colin Kaepernick, what would you say? I'm trying to ask all the questions, Deneen, that I know the world has so that they can get their answers. The reason we have so much tension in our society is because there's not communication. So I'm left wondering what one person thinks about me. They're left wondering what I think about them when we can just talk to one another. When it comes to talking about these things, you know, you of course, that 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 one um, saying that that came at LeBron years ago, like, oh, just just shut up and dribble or whatever it was has completely been turned on its head and thrown out the window, of course. But in your situation, uh, do you feel um, any kind of pressure, like having 
kind of straddling the world of having been an athlete and now being as outspoken as you are. You know, it's funny. I can't anymore because in theory, I'm a better author than I ever was a football player. (laughs) You know, like I played in the NFL, but I'm a New York Times bestseller. So like technically I'm more of an author than I am an athlete at this junction in time. Um, But in all seriousness, (laughs) no, like I try to do a good job of talking about sports when it's necessary talking about life when necessary and culture. We have to remember, sometimes those two things intermingle. When it's culture, I'll speak to culture on my social media platforms. When it's sports, I'll speak to sports on my television platform. And when it's time to mix them both, we mix nice. them. And when do you sleep, Acho? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not getting eight hours, man. But you're doing the work. Acho, thank you so much for speaking with me and, and just for, for all of this and making this a very comfortable conversation, I must say. So <laughs> I appreciate you. Janine, it's a pleasure. I have to admit, I'm working on that People's Sexiest Man Alive cover. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm coming for Michael B. I'm coming for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Janine, I've been in the gym during COVID. Not really. I've been in my house jump roping, <laughs> you know, doing my push-ups. So you don't worry about me. I'm coming for it. I just coming for Sexiest Man Alive. I love it. You heard it here first. That was Emmanuel Acho. For more on him, head over to people.com. And before you go, a little something to make you smile. If you were tuned into the Food Network this past weekend, you might have heard this. This will help make the bread. Oh, That's none other than the pioneer woman, Chef Ree Drummond, squealing after learning a rat was in her kitchen as she was whipping up a beer cheese bread bowl for the cameras. Pioneer Rat made a second cameo before being safely escorted outdoors. And I like to think it was actually New York's Pizza Rat out for lunch while quarantining in the country with family. (laughs) That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow.